Hi, I'm Branson Stowell. And I'm Matt Sparks. And welcome to the Film Exchange, where two friends and film enthusiasts discuss the films that inspire them. Uh, today's film is You Got Mail, a 1998 romantic comedy directed by Nora Ephron, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. It is inspired by the 1937 Hungarian play Parfumery by Miklos Laszlo, which had earlier been adapted in 1940 as The Shop Around the Corner, directed by Ernst Lubitsch, and then again in 1949 as In the Good Old Summertime, directed by Robert Z. Leonard and Buster Keaton. It marks the third pairing of Hanks and Ryan, who previously co-starred in Joe vs. Volcano and Sleepless in Seattle, the latter also being directed by Nora Ephron. The film is about a struggling boutique bookseller, Kathleen Kelly, played by Meg Ryan, as she hates Joe Fox, played by Tom Hanks, the owner of a corporate Fox Books chain store that just moved in across the street in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. When they meet online, however, they begin an intense and anonymous internet romance, oblivious to each other's true identities. Eventually, Joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with is actually his business rival. He must now struggle to reconcile his real-life dislike for her with the cyber love he's come to feel. Uh, This was kind of a mutual pick between Branson and I. Why did we pick it? Why did we pick it? There's a lot of cozy feels here. My mom's a big fan of rom-coms. I think your mom is a big fan of this movie, and it's just a fantastic fantastic statement piece from Nora Ephron in what I would call her highlight years. And it brings together Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. But it's also a remake of an old classic, which itself is kind of a festive piece. It's a little more holiday centric, but I just felt like it's a great movie to watch around this time of year. And we haven't really discussed that many rom-coms specifically. So I feel like this would be a great launch point. Wouldn't you say so? One of the Nora Ephron films films there's when harry met sally and sleepless in seattle and one might say you know this one is maybe the overlooked one of the three <laughs> how fun is it to watch it now we're in a whole new communication era <laughs> so and when we were deciding what to watch one thing that i was saying like oh it'd be fun to see like how dated the technology feels but re-watching it i realized it, that part to me doesn't feel dated because it's really just like a MacGuffin, and it's not there's not much specific to it being email it's more yeah. just there to push the story forward It's not a film about emailing. (laughs) Well, and in some ways, I feel like it's a strange marketing ploy to contemporary audiences to just feel in the dot-com boom, right? I was going to say, if there's anything in this film that feels dated, it's Dave Chappelle's character. Right. Because it just (laughs) totally feels like the arbitrary, like, black best friend stereotype. Of all the secondary characters, his is the only one that has no backstory. We don't learn anything other about him other than he's Tom Hanks employee it's almost like a weird friend relationship where he just follows tom hanks around and does whatever he <laughs> it's says an excuse like for tom hanks to say his thoughts out loud <laughs> yeah, for the audience true. To hear. this is not a reciprocal friendship here because he's <laughs> only asking about tom hanks's life he's like hey man what are you gonna do why there's like why don't i walk you to your date who knows what i'm gonna do afterwards but just hope everything's <laughs> well with your date Chappelle turned down the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump because he thought it was going to be a box office flop. And obviously Forrest Gump turned out not to be. So he deeply regretted not taking that role. And Tom Hanks, their friend, said, look, next time I have a film, there's a part that you can play. I'll ring you up. So he rang him up for You've Got Mail and they kind of wrote him into the story. That's the only thing to me that feels dated in a film that I expected to feel a lot more dated. 
Meg Ryan's best girlfriend in the movie. Her character's name is Patricia. And Jean Stapleton, the birdie, the older woman who seems to be doing the books at the store. They have some great just dialogue and kind of get to develop their characters. We learn that Birdie may have had a relationship with dictator Francisco Franco back in the day, <laughs> which is kind of this random aside. But just to, to show that they do give some of these characters more of a story. Yeah, everyone other than Chappelle... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone other than Chappelle. This was a, a film that played on my TV growing up. I've probably seen it dozens of times uh, just through my mom watching it. and But I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And rewatching it, I was pleasantly surprised how sophisticated it was in the humor and the editing and the, the writing and the staging. I was surprised how physical the humor is, like in particularly Meg Ryan's performance. It felt a lot like old Hollywood in a way that I enjoyed. Two filmmakers that I know Efron likes because Sleep is in Seattle and You've Got Mail are loosely based on other films is two people who are now two of my favorites of Ernst Lubitsch and Leo McCary. I feel like you really see those two filmmakers' influence. Leo McCary did one of my favorites, Make Way to, for Tomorrow, which we watched together before we had the yes, podcast. before we were sharing these. <laughs> yeah, before we were recording our conversations. But I feel like you see it in the staging and like the attention to the character actors. Like Even in the small little moments, everyone gets a little arc. They call it like the Lubitsch touch. Billy Wilder had a, a thing in his office that said, what would Lubitsch do? And I feel like Nora Ephron kind of follows a similar mantra. To make a good romantic comedy, I feel like you have to build on more than just the relationship and kind of situational humor. And I think that's what she does. And it's adding in kind of commentary on the time and place and circumstance, which I think is so interesting. If you've ever heard an interview with Nora Ephron, there'd be no doubt in your mind that that woman loves New York City like no one else. And you hear it in the movie. My gosh, there's they're like, isn't New York amazing in the fall? Isn't New York amazing in the spring? <laughs> there's not a season that doesn't work. But uh, the only reason I say that is in the film, she talks about wanting, you know, how the little shop around the corner takes place in this basically small Hungarian village. And so she wanted to make the setting in New York feel like a village where everyone sort of knows each other and everyone's waving to each other. And the flower shop owner is a pregnant woman. But then later on, you go back and you see a big sign that says it's a girl. And so there's just this familial environment, the world that Tom Hanks inhabits is so different than the world that Meg Ryan's character inhabits. I mean, you see him in these skyscrapers and he's with his dad. He's going around doing this construction work. There's a great v uh, video on YouTube saying this is arguing the case that this is the best film adaptation of 1984. <laughs> really? Yeah, Tom oh. Hanks' big brother. Greg Kinnear's character was saying how he can't be with anybody who doesn't care about politics. And the whole thing that sparked that conversation was that Bertie was with, had dated Franco. And that wasn't okay to hit with him, but that was okay with Meg Ryan. And then she admits that she doesn't vote. And then that's kind of what sparks their breakup. And in the end, you know, she's won over by the, the big corporate bad wolf. Big money interest, um, Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. I forgot how just charming Tom Hanks is. <laughs> No, but and Meg Ryan and they're they just have like such good chemistry on on screen. The music in this movie is great. It's a little overly sweet, but it was George Fenton who is an incredible five-time Oscar nominee who did The Fisher King. I feel like it captures sort of the sweetness of that era without being too directing. So I feel like there's two sides of the coin for me. I mean, what makes those Lubitsch films so great is and the comedy so much fun is there's 
almost no score in those old movies. And that's yeah. what makes the humor land because you're just totally reacting to the situation. One thing about this movie that I miss about this era of Hollywood films is even rom-coms had totally fleshed out orchestral scores. It's starting to come back a little bit, but for, you know, for the last 15, 20 years, just with the rise of temp scoring, just completely vanished, you know, like yeah. and I, I really enjoyed hearing an or- orchestral score instead of no, instead of uh, like a compilation of the popular songs of the time. Yeah, that's you know, true. Which is what a lot of rom-coms do. So it was really refreshing to hear a whole fleshed soundtrack where each characters get their own themes and everything. But I do feel like there were some scenes where like when Meg Ryan's tiptoeing around her apartment, you hear the pizzicato strings go doop, 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 doop. I just feel like that kind of corniness. I'm not saying it's right or good, but it just was the way things were at the time. I'm curious to see the sequel of this film where Fox Books is destroyed by online (laughs) book sales. But it's funny, though, how those spaces in New York have totally changed their purpose, like the Barnes and Nobles. In New York, those spaces have never served as like a community hub. Like the Barnes Mm. and Noble in my hometown of you know smaller town it definitely is like a community space and people go there to read to hang out in new york the barnes and nobles in new york are for you know tourists who need to use the bathroom and homeless who need a place to stay warm and i feel like the general attitude of new yorkers now is they're very anti those kinds of stores the little bookstores are the ones that are, are thriving yet again they have that author who comes in and is like are you guys going under well i'm gonna support you be at the picket line but kind of expecting them to go under you know there's this idea that 1990 is this time where things are rapidly changing. Little do they know how rapidly things will continue to change. But I think that that is a big theme. Relationships are evolving. The way you work is evolving. The way that you in- engage with the world of commerce is evolving. And I that's the way that I rationalize that small little Starbucks bit. Ultimately, it's going to work because the world just continues moving, which is my way of rationalizing the kind of messed up actions of Tom Hanks, because it's like, was there any chance that Fox Books was not going to take over? Was there any chance he was going to step into it? No. But guess what? They have to get on anyway. One line that I keep thinking about is Tom Hanks's father when his father was dumped and their Hanks also broke up with his girlfriend. So they're sharing the, the boat as a temporary home together. His father's talking about all the all his exes um, and says, oh, it'll be easy enough to find a new one. And that Tom Hanks is like, it'll be easy enough to find the love of your life who completes you and understands you. And then Tom Hanks' father goes, none of my other girlfriends ever did that. <laughs> and almost like, I feel like it makes Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's case feel very noble that trying to find that genuine connection and respect in a relationship as compared to the world around them, you know. One of the more interesting parts of uh, Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness is this brief bit of dialogue between this old sort of Russian oligarch and this young boat hand where they're talking about love. And there's a brief line where he's like, he's talking to the young boat hand and the boat hand's like, basically with all my money, I invest in my girlfriend and the old Russian oligarch's like, why not invest in business and love will come to you? You know, there's this whole like idea that like it will just come. The power dynamic is still very kind of traditional in the sense that Tom Hanks is the wealthy one. He's got the power. He kind of inherited it. To his credit, he doesn't use that as the way to, you know, reel her in. In fact, it's the repelling barrier to attract her in so many ways. 
Did you ever see Everything is Copy? She has a whole HBO documentary about her. But it's a, it's a fascinating tribute for those who are uninformed. Nora Ephron sadly passed away in 2012 from cancer complications. But she lived a fascinating, fascinating life. Start off as a intern in the Kennedy White House. Fun fact. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and was married to frickin' Carl Bernstein for four years, the guy who broke Watergate, co-broke Watergate. Just a wow. wild, wild life. But the, the documentary is done by her son. Never, uh, sadly, never won an Oscar, but three-time nominee and uh, I believe will live on in film canon ad eternum. When I think of just like some scenes that take a lot of planning and a lot of thought that it just doesn't cross your mind, but it, I just think are really sophisticated. I think of the scene when Tom Hanks visits her while she's sick. Mm. And when you just think of like all the props in that and all the movement through the apartment, and there's a lot of one, a lot of long takes and it's all just hanging on their delivery. And there's a lot more happening than meets the eye. I, it just shows someone who I feel like is invested in the story rather than the product in an unironic way, you know? And yeah, except for when it comes to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> okay. Except for Dave Chappelle. His is the only character who probably doesn't have his own little orchestral movement either. <laughs> but, you know, I bet he's I bet he's on the poster. He's like the second to last one. There's like an and Gene Stapleton, but he's the one right before that where it'll be like Steve Zahn. Dave Chappelle and Gene Stapleton. Like the worst place to be in the build cast. Thanks for listening to our episode on You've Got Mail. That was a lot of fun to record. If there's a film or something you'd like us to watch, please reach out on our social media at Film Exchange Pod on Instagram. We'll see you next time.